The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, funding dreams for over 50 years. Close your eyes and pull like down. <laughs> and a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam Maguire Cup to Graham Canty, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Dylan Mangan of the Southern Star and I'm joined as always by Star Sport Editor Kieran McCarthy. Before we get into things, I'd just like to give our listeners a gentle reminder to please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you in association with our friends at Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, where your bank really does matter. Choose Credit Union, choose local, choose community. Now, Kieran, I start every week saying this is a packed podcast, but again, yet again this week, it is a packed Star Sport Podcast. Later on, we'll be previewing Cork's All-Ireland Group Stage game against Kerry. That's coming up this weekend, and we'll also be welcoming Tom Savage of Three Red Kings to look back on how West Cork men powered Munster to their URC victory against the Stormers at the weekend. So a lot to get through, but first we'll just run through a couple of other stories in West Cork sport. And on last week's Star Sport podcast, Cork ladies football manager Shane Ronane said that they couldn't let Kerry build up a lead in the Munster LGFA senior final I think his players must have been listening in because they flew into a huge halftime lead. They scored four goals in the first half. And Kieran running also said Kerry were the best team in the country, but that's now four consecutive provincial senior titles for Cork. So it's great stuff all around. Brilliant win for Cork. And like we said, this is an action-packed podcast. We don't even have time to preview Man United's win against City in Saturday's FA Cup final. But we, we can leave that next week, Dylan, where we can Hello. review it. Plenty of time um, next week. How United stopped the treble, but um, like you said, they had a great win for the for the Cork Ladies football team. They were leading four ten to seven points at half time. They blitzed Kerry in Melbourne last Sunday, and a, a brilliant first half performance. Uh, their best, probably their best performance in a, in a long long time because this is a good Kerry team. This is a Kerry team that got the last year's All Ireland senior final, and um, came up short to Mead. But this is a Kerry team that also won the Division One league title earlier this year and Kerry were favourites heading to Mello on Sunday so for Cork to turn them over uh, Cork won 5-14 to 2-17 that's a great result for Cork and it sets them up for the next stage which is the All-Ireland Senior Championship so um, I think just a good boost for the for the team because they come up against what Chamberlain classed as the best team in the country right now Cork came up against them and they beat them so if Cork can reproduce similar performances and they'll probably have to go even better and even higher over the next couple of weeks. It puts them right in the in the conversation for the All-Ireland and, and that, that's a great place to be right now. Yeah, I'm sure they'll be, get a lot of confidence out of that win. It was again 5-14 to 2-17 in the end and even though Kerry came back in the second half and um, they still held on strong in that in that second half scoring 1-4 as well. So hopefully th- those are good signs for Cork going forward. Um, in rowing, there was no joy for Skibbereen's rowers in their A-finals at the European Rowing Championships on Saturday in Slovenia. 
And Kieran, we're a bit spoiled here in West Cork with the rowing medals. They're they're kind of lying all over the the region. So, what does it mean for the rowers that they weren't able to get some at the weekend? Like, should should we be worried about that, or is there more to the story than just the results? Yeah, there's there's more than just the results. So we only had only Jesus. The that shows how spoiled we are. We only had two skippering rowers at the the European Championships last weekend, and Rhode Ireland had sent ten crews, but first on the Irish lightweight men's double. That's the double that we've seen Finta McCarthy and Paul O'Donovan. They've bossed the world over the last number of years. Olympic champions, back-to-back world champions. They were back-to-back European champions. But that combination didn't go to Slovenia um, last weekend. Paul O'Donovan was very busy with his college um, commitments and college studies. And he actually graduated from UCC last Friday. So he's his attention was elsewhere the last couple of months. And, and rightly so. So he was focusing on the college side of things. So it meant that Fintan McCarthy was partnered by Hugh Moore um, in the lightweight double last weekend. And, and they got to the A final and they finished sixth there. But there's no need for alarm bells at all at all because what's going to happen now is Paul O'Donovan is going to come back into the into the reckoning, back into that lightweight group. And the odds are, are a huge shock that we will have Fintan and Paul back in the Irish men's lightweight double. And we've seen from the past couple of years when they're together, they are the best in the world. So I'd have no fears whatsoever about that. Irish boat getting to where it needs to be later in the year and it's important to note this year's world championships act as a the first qualifier for the Olympics next year so that's what that Irish lightweight group will be aiming for to get the boat ready for that and that's in September so they've, they've, they've plenty of time to build for that then the Irish lightweight women's double of Skibreens, Aoife Casey and Mags Crimmon they finished fifth in the the European final on Saturday afternoon as well they had won a bronze medal at last year's Worlds but this was their first big international of the year. Again, they'd be planning towards the Worlds later in the year. So it was almost one of those regattas just to just to kind of dip the oars in the water again and, and get up and running. The, the bigger battles are to come. And I, I'd have no fear that, that both of those lightweight boats will be in the reckoning when it comes to the Worlds in September. Absolutely. And plenty of time between now and then as well to iron out any potential kinks that may have developed over the winter there as well. Um, just moving on now to Hurling and Cork lost to Limerick at the weekend in a very tight game. They're out of the Munster Senior Hurling Championship and their All-Ireland hopes went up in flames. Manager Pat Ryan didn't make any excuses. He said the job was to get out of the Munster Championship. We were looking to win in All-Ireland, but we knew it was going to be very competitive. There's huge disappointment. And Kieran, it was a mammoth game between two great sides, but I'm going to disagree with Pat Ryan here. I think Cork can actually count themselves a little bit unlucky not to, to get a result there. Yeah, Cork were up against a, was a Limerick team that isn't firing in all cylinders just yet. They just don't seem to have reached that um those performance levels of the of the last couple of years. And this is a game that Cork could have won. And if, if they got a draw or one, they'd still be in the Munster Championship right now. They'd still be in the All-Ireland conversation. But then again, the reality is, if you look at the Munster Championship over the, the last couple of weeks, Cork won just one of the four games. Um, unlucky to lose to Limerick by a point, unlucky to lose to Clare by a point, and did a draw drawn there as well. Um, so if you're looking on results, okay, Cork have been so, so close, and you have that unlucky element too. One win out of four, it just isn't good enough really at, at, at this level, regardless of, of look and what have you, and, and decisions decisions going against uh, going against Cork, in the, especially in the Limerick game. With, um, with some of their scores. So Cork just didn't get the results that they needed to progress, but it's not it's, it's not panic stations at all. We saw enough from Cork in the last couple of weeks and from, this is Pat Ryan's first year in the management team, 
to see that there is better days ahead. He's given a lot of young fellas um, plenty of game time. I think this is the first step to better days for for for, uh, for car curling. The players will will learn from this. They'll come back stronger. The fact that the margins are so small, like we said, Louis by point to Limerick and a point to Clare, that shows that Cork are not too far away at all. And the shoe could be on the, on the other foot next year. Cork could win those games by point. The Munster Hurling Championship is uber competitive. We know that. Didn't work out in Cork's favour this year. It is disappointing. We thought they'd go go further in, into the into the summer, but it, it's not the be all and end all in terms of the overall picture because we've seen enough from this Cork team to to suggest, like I said, that there is there is better days ahead. Just very quickly as well, do you think that the fact that Limerick haven't been at their best actually adds to the disappointment of not getting a result against them? Yeah, that's a good point because they they, they really haven't they haven't hit those heights that we've seen in this Limerick team over the last couple of years and. Is it a case of Limerick coming back to the chasing pack or the chasing pack ca- catching up? It's probably a bit of both because Limerick just, they haven't been the, the same team. But saying that, they've, at, they took out that result when they needed to. There was a point there in the first half when Cork had a run on Limerick mm. when a couple of points up, I was thinking, oh, here we go. Like if, if Cork could have got a goal, then they could have really made life very, very difficult for Limerick. But this Limerick team have built up such a bank of experience over the last couple of years and they don't panic in these situations. They played their way back into the game got the goals that mattered and their experience counted in the end as well as those fortunate refereeing decisions that uh, that that fell their way as well but that's just part of the game that's just sport like with, with ref, referees it's human error like we're not none of us are infallible we all make mistakes and okay on a game like that you know for ref ref to make mistakes it's it's not it's not ideal is that what you want at all it's it's not good enough in in in, in many senses but it doesn't take away from the fact, I suppose, that Limerick did get the result at the end of the day. Um, whether they'll win the All-Ireland this year, I don't know. I think I think it's 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 very open. But sadly for Cork, we'll be on the, the outside looking in for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, now hopefully when we're talking next week on the podcast, we won't be talking about any refereeing decisions. The big one this weekend is Cork versus Kerry. We're going to take a very quick break now and we'll be back to preview that game in just a moment. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, funding dreams for over 50 years. Now, welcome back to the Star Sport Podcast, and we're delighted to welcome back Matthew Hurdy, otherwise known as GAA Statsman on Twitter. He's back on the podcast here to talk all things Cork GAA. And we're going to be previewing the Cork Kerry game this weekend. But first, Matthew, you were one of the few people in the country who got to see the full Cork match against Loud. There are only highlights on RT. It wasn't on GA Go or anywhere. So what did you make of the result there? And more importantly, I guess, the performance. Well, I suppose, first of all, the highlights on RT didn't uh, epitomize what was uh, being shown in Navin. It was a uh, pretty poor coverage, to be honest with you, even on the highlights, really. But... Like the game was good. I thought the first half, Cork performed very good in fairness. Uh, four points in front. Uh, Brian O'Driscoll and uh, while I'm on Brian O'Driscoll's goal, it was a West Cork. Um, you know, band back together, creating the goal. Brian McCurley turned the ball over, passing it to Rory Dean, and then uh, Brian O'Driscoll finished to the back of the net. So West Cork played its part for the crucial goal in the first half. I suppose in the second half, Cork kind of lost a bit of composure. Low got a goal. Um, like it was. A pretty tense uh, finale, but in fairness to John Cleary's main note, like the Clare game, they finished it off brilliantly and they got the win in the end and that's all that matters. 
looked the results was the only thing that uh, mattered for them and they got it in the end and it was a good enough performance I thought midfield covered very good uh, defensively decent enough as well um, so yeah there's a lot to build on but at the same time very good performance and now we're now going to the Kerry game under no pressure really yeah I was I was going to ask you that actually because the game against Loud everyone was calling that a knockout game in all but name so with the pressure off against Kerry do you think that will give Cork a little bit of impetus to to go and potentially get a result at the weekend? Well, the key thing is to battle with uh, Kerry midfield because I think Kerry's midfield is actually weak enough and Cork's midfield with uh, Rory Dean joining, Colin McCallan and Andy Maguire is very good. And um, like we can beat Kerry in that department. But the key thing is for Cork, they need to put pressure on Kerry early on in the game. Uh, I think... The goal getting is going to be very hard here because Kerry's goalkeeper is very, very good in Shane Ryan. We do have Brian Hurley back. He scored eight points the last day and uh, was nominated was um, one of the nominees for Player of the Week as well, which was a massive achievement from the Castellavon man. But it's crucial we have him back. It's crucial we have Stephen Sherlock at the bench as well. Chris Oak Jones performed well enough the other day. So I think Cork can test Kerry and Kerry will be going to the game thinking like they'll be nervous after the game against Mayo like they'll be going to the game thinking we have to win this so Cork have no no pressure on them whereas Kerry have a bit of pressure on them so it should be um, an interesting encounter historically you would suggest Kerry would win it but like you never know with Cork and Kerry rivalries like on the day Cork could turn up and uh, beat them like and let's not forget like Cork fans know out of the hurling last weekend could even go to the football this weekend, so might create a bit of atmosphere, which could be unsettling for uh, Kerry too. And Kieran, speaking of the Cork and Kerry rivalry, you're writing in this week's Star about the history of the rivalry, where where it is at the moment in comparison to where it was. So there's probably few better people or few people better placed to judge what success might look like for Cork here against Kerry. So how do you how do we gauge? what success looks like. Like Very few people will be expecting a win, but is anything other than that a failure? The expectation for Cork going into the game is, is pretty low. Um, everyone's going to expect a Kerry win because they are All-Ireland champions and over the last decade or, or so, Kerry are operating at a different level to, to where this Cork football team has been. The, I suppose the decline of the Cork football team is one of the reasons that this Kerry-Cork rivalry, it just isn't what it was. If we go back 20, 20, 30 years ago, uh, just Cork have obviously relegated from Division 1 back in 2016, haven't got back up there since. So Cork and Kerry meetings are only the championship in the last couple of years. And bar 2020, when Mark King got that late goal, they're usually in, in Kerry's favour. So as Matthew said there, historically, you would point, all signs point to a, a, a Kerry win on, 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 on Saturday afternoon. But that's not to say that Cork can cause a surprise. History has shown too that Cork can come up and they can surprise very good Kerry teams and Cork fans will be hoping for something similar on on, on on Saturday. A Cork win would be the dream scenario for all Cork fans because it would add more pressure to Kerry, send them into their last game against Loud, needing a result to survive in the championship. Whereas if, if Cork get a win the next day, it puts them in a top of the table clash with, with um, Mayo going into the last round. So that is the dream scenario for Cork to, to beat Kerry. The reality is and the expectation is that, that Kerry will win. So then you're looking for, OK, what constitutes success then for Cork if they're not going to win this game? And I think it's they need to put in a really good performance. They, re, they need to build on what Matthew described, described against Low there, which is a very solid showing. It wasn't a perfect performance by any stretch. I was talking to John Cleary earlier in the week, and 
he pinpointed a, a second half lull where Cork, I think, were five or six points up, but then suddenly Lowe came back and Lowe actually went ahead by a point. And he said they, they can't let that happen against a team like Kerry because with the greatest respect to Lowe and the greatest respect to Clare on the Munster Championship, they're two Division Two teams. But now over the next couple of weeks, Cork are playing two Division One teams. One happens to be the All-Ireland champions, albeit they're struggling for form at the moment. And the other is a very good Mayo team that, that won the league as well. So it's going to be a real test to see where this Cork team is. And we've got to be realistic too. Cork aren't All-Ireland contenders right now. That's not where they are in this journey. The goal is to get back to that level. But right now, Cork are a Division Two team and a mid-table Division Two team almost creeping up towards trying to win promotion. So if Cork can keep a carry for as, as much as they can and, and push carry to four or five points and go down fighting, that could constitute a good performance. But that's not to say that Cork can't beat this Kerry team after seeing what we saw in Clarny a couple of weeks ago against Mayo, where Kerry weren't impressive at all. So there's lots of balls in the air with this. You know, there's a lot of a, a, a lot of permutations. But um, I think the basis is we need a good Cork performance. And Matthew, how important will the the first half here be? Because like Kieran mentioned there, we can't really afford to to let Kerry get ahead too far in this game and. With the game against Loud, like Cork were, were ahead well, but then kind of slipped back a little bit. So will the first half kind of tell us all we need to know in this game? It's a mix of um, yes and no, to be honest with you, because the first half in Cork's last two games, I couldn't find any of us in um, the Clare game in particular, or indeed the Low game, I thought Cork performed excellently in the first half. The second half would be key. Like Cork have performed very, very poorly in the second half in the past few games or so and um, usually the underdog kind of slips under the radar in the second half you find last weekend like for example Westmead were playing Armagh last week um, they were very very good in the first half and then they slipped under the radar in the second half and the game completely changed so the key thing is for Cork is to just stay in the game as for, for as long as they can if they are within maybe one or two points with 10 minutes to go I'd give Cork a right good shout in but um the key thing is for Cork just not to let Kerry build up a lead, not to let David Clifford on you know give him space. Like in fairness to Mayo, the last day they didn't give him much space, but he was just shooting from ridiculous angles, you know. But uh, that's David Clifford all over. But um, when you when you look at Cork's record actually against David Clifford, Cork seems to perform well against him. Like in the last three seasons, Mar Shanley's been on him. I think Flahoy's been on twice, and Sean Meehan's been on him, and Clifford struggled. So it's it's the one team that Clifford struggles against. Sean O'Shea's done poor the last few games. Paul Ganey needs to be kept, kept quiet as well. That's the thing for Cork, though. Kerry have a load of good forwards, and we need to keep them um, all quiet at the same time. But I think the main thing is for Cork to keep winning two points, maybe with 10 minutes to go, and to push up at the kickouts to be massive as well. Because like Kerry are the kind of team that will kick short and build up from the back. If Cork can push up on their kickouts, they'll put pressure on their midfield. And they could um, have a few joys in midfield because I honestly think Cork is better, better midfield than Kerry. It's probably the one line where Cork are excelling more than Kerry are at the moment. So it will be interesting to see how it develops, but Cork need to you know keep in the game and push up on the kickouts. That's all I would say anyway that Cork would have to do to provide a shot. We mentioned Kerry's forwards, Kieran. What impact will... Brian Hurley having this game on the other side because he was back against Loud and played really, really well. He was electric against another of the best sides in the country, Dublin, in the league earlier this year. I think the crossbar is still shaking 
from his shot in the final minutes there. So like Matthew mentioned, if Cork can stay within a couple of points and get the ball in Brian Hurley's hands, is that a route to success? Before I chat about Brian, just to actually pick up on what Matthew was saying there about Cork needing a strong second half performance. I'm just looking here at last year's uh, Munster Championship clash between Cork and Kerry in, in Parky Ring, the game in that famous Parky Ring or Nova her saga. 51 minutes in, Cork were a um Cork were a point up and Kerry hadn't scored from play. But then look what happened in uh, Kerry took over eight hundred unanswered points and they won by twelve in the end, twenty-three points to eleven. So that almost feeds into what we were saying earlier about Cork not Cork did a strong performance throughout the game. Okay, to get a full 70-minute performance, that really doesn't happen in the GA. You're always going to have, for any sport, you're always going to have a lull at some point. But Cork really took it to Kerry last year for 50 minutes of that game before Kerry took over. So I think Cork just need to take it deeper. If they want to win, they have to take it deeper than that. You can't let let this Kerry team get a, a get a, a run in you. And I suppose key to that is the likes of Brian Hurley up the other end because Brian proved it again on on Saturday in Nevin. He's the man for the big occasion. Cork really missed him against Clare in that Munster quarterfinals six weeks ago, because Brian, he knows where the posts are. He's a goal-getter as well. He knows where the back of the net, back of the net is. Eight points the last day, six from freeze, two from uh, two from play. And like Matthew said, he was heavily involved in Brian O'Driscoll's goal as well. So having a player like Brian Hurley, who is a genuine match winner, he's genuinely one of the on form, one of the best forwards in the country. So he's going to keep the Kerry defence occupied. And they might have to drop a fella even back in front of him. Because if if Hurley gets the ball close to goal, he'll have one thing on his mind. Like he'll he'll go for goal if, if it's on. I know Shane Ryan had a really good game for Kerry against Mayo, made four top class saves. But Brian Hurley is a goal scorer and he could keep that Kerry defence very um, very busy. And if Cork had their running game going as well, the likes of Rory Dean running through Powder hopefully will be Will, will be fit to play. The likes of Brian O'Driscoll, who was impressive the last day. There are players who can cause this Kerry, um, Kerry defence plenty of problems because Kerry were quite open at times against Mayo. Mayo ran at Kerry and they found the holes and they punched right through them. And Cork have the players to punch holes in this Kerry defence as well. And it's just, can Cork take their scores? Can Cork be clinical enough? Because that's a that's an issue that, that raised its head sometimes in the league where Cork just didn't take their chances. They left a lot of chances behind them. We know at the other end, if the likes of David Clifford, Shawnee Shea, Paddy Clifford and so on, Ganey, if they bring their shooting boots, they'll, they'll get scores. So Cork just need to take their scores at the other end. And just before we move on, the game is only a week after Loud, the Loud game and Kerry had two weeks in between their games. Do you think that will have any impact on the result or, or on the performance with Cork? Kind of find it a little bit difficult to keep up with Kerry due to that? I think it's the fact it's coming a week after. It's probably, I know Cork have a couple of injuries, Tommy Walsh and Shawmean have hamstring injuries and they're, they're rated very doubtful for, for the game. And um, Powder went off after taking a bang to the shoulder, but he he should be fit. So ideally you'd like a, an extra week in, in between. But Cleary was telling me that the Cork bus was buzzing on the way home from, from Nevin. They're all relishing the, the, the chance to have a pop-off carry and a pop-off Mayo in the, in the next couple of weeks. And the fact that Cork now have that win under, under their belt, it's relieved some of that pressure. You're not going out against Kerry or against Mayo, chasing the win to keep your championship alive. That win against Loud should be enough to see Cork advance to the to the to the knockout stage. So I'd say the, the lads can't wait for, for Saturday to roll around. And you're 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 hosting a Kerry team that wasn't at its best or next near its best against 
against Mayo. And okay, three teams advanced from the group, so there's not a huge, huge pressure on this Kerry team yet. But you can see as a, from a Cork footballer's point of view, why they'll be looking forward to, to, to Saturday because it's a it's a free hit in many ways. The Cork footballers won't like me saying that because they expect to win that game and they believe they'll win that game. But reality is it's a free hit for this Cork team where they, 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 they could deliver a couple of heavy jabs to, to carry. So I think they'll be looking forward to it. Three o'clock, bank holiday weekend. The sun is going to be shining. Be a great, great atmosphere, a great occasion up there. Hopefully we get the support. Hopefully we will. I know attendances have been declining at this fixture over the last couple of years. And the fact that it's not on TV, it's only on GA Go. So it's a um, subscription service. Maybe that might tempt a couple of more fans to... To put on their rebel jersey, get the get the Parky Quiven, cheer on Cork in a, in a big game. Yeah, fingers crossed. And I know we've been giving out about Diego, but it's uh, it's twelve euro on there for anyone who can't make it to the game. Now the twelve euro, maybe that will actually make people more likely to to get out and go to Parky Quiven. Get Queen. to the game. Get go to, to the, the game. game. Get to the game this weekend. Uh, thank you, Matthew, for joining us. We're going to take a quick break in a moment, but Kieran. We'll be chatting with Tom Savage of Three Red Kings. You caught up with him in the wake of Munster's brilliant URC victory against the Stormers at the weekend. And it's fair to say that West Cork men powered Munster to the win. This podcast is unashamedly West Cork um, influenced, pointed, angled, biased. And West Cork were the central reason to, for Munster winning the URC title on on Saturday, I say with my my tongue half firmly in my cheek, but it was just great to see so many West Cork lads play such a crucial role. John Todd got the winning try four minutes from the end, and he was man of the match. John is Ross Carberry man. Jack Crowley from Inna Shannon was ice cool all the way through. He nailed that late conversion that, that pushed the, the winning margin out to five points. Jack came through the, the corridors of Bandon Grammar, and he learned his skill and his trade at Bandon Rugby Club. Then we have Gavin Coombs from Skibbereen Rugby Club, a central figure too. Josh Witcherly from Bentry Rugby Club and his older brother Fanin was in the travelling party as well. And they're just five of the of the local West Cork men doing what they do best with Munster Rugby at the moment. So huge win for Munster Rugby, but also great for, for, for Rugby in West Cork too. Tom, what a momentous couple of days it's been for Munster. We'll obviously talk about the, the game last begin, but first you're at the homecoming on Monday night. Fill us in what it was like in Tormund. Oh, the the energy there, the vibe there was unbelievable. Like I I I came in at around around five o'clock. Uh, gates opened at at six, I think it was. Seeing all the people milling around, all the monster jerseys, all the people arriving on buses, coming in in cars. Um, just a great vibe. And once the the event got started, the terrace, the east terrace was all full up. Uh, the north terrace was, or the south terrace rather, was um, uh, around halfway full. Um, just a fantastic event. Just the music, the crowd, people singing "Stand Up and Fight," "Fields of Baton Rye." When the players came out to to Zombie, just really, really good. Just the the atmosphere, the just the, the joy that was there, really, really good. Like, uh, and I, I think that it reflects just how special a tournament win this actually was for for Munster. Um, just the the outpouring, and not just at this. Uh, event on, on Monday, which I think they sold out um, in under 24 hours. They, they had to limit it at 9,000 people for operating. They didn't have the staff at short notice to do it. Um, and it, they could have got 10, 
15, like who knows how many thousand people would have come with a bit more notice. Look, it is what it is. There's World Cup camps coming up and travel arrangements and stuff. But yeah, it just was, it's been amazing since Saturday, the the energy that's been out there. Um, it feels like the old days again. As an avid Munster follower, what was it like for you on Saturday uh, to see what Munster did to beat the Stormers and uh, almost the, the drama of, of the way Munster did it as, as well, like the this run they've been on the, the last couple of games away from home, churning out big results. But when that when that final whistle went, when that buzzer sounded, what was what, what did it feel like, Tom? Just the emotion of it, you know, like it, it it's it's been a long time. I've been doing like Tree Red Kings for eight years. I've been doing it professionally for around four or five years where you're living every week, every game, you know, you're not kicking every ball, but you're, you're, you're there, thereabouts. And, you know, and, and, and other supporters have been the same, you know, where they've they, like, they, they, they've been and they've traveled to these games. You're losing semifinals, you're losing finals. Uh, you're having disappointing ends the season, like last year, for example, but there's always something, there's always a moment there to keep you coming back. And, and, you know, when you look at this playoff run that they had, I don't think this end of the season will be duplicated anywhere in any tournament in this sport with the difficulty level that was there. People go on about the European Cup and it's, you know, it's just the league. I don't buy that at all. You look at the difficulty of Munster's end to the season where you're going down to Cape Town to play the Stormers. They hadn't, they had never been, like they had been beaten in 18 months in that stadium up to that point. Munster beat them into that streak. Next week, you're playing in Durban, where Munster had been hockeyed a few weeks prior. Gave up a big 20-something point lead. Came back. Should have won that game at the end, but threw it. Uh, then, going away to Glasgow. They haven't been beaten at home in a year and a half as well, something like that. Munster beat them. Leinster have lost in the Aviva since 2021 against, Sar- against Saracens. Munster beat them there too for the first time, and God only knows how long. Uh, and then you're going away back to the Stormers again, winning it half a world away. Um, five minutes to go that's about as good as it gets and when you talk about difficulty you talk about credible wins that's how you go about doing it the hard way Monster did it the hard way they're the kings of the hard way always have been and like Graham Rountree said last night he said uh, we'll probably try and we'll, we'll probably find a more difficult way to win it next year that's in- incredible. Like the what you've just outlined there, the chronology of what Munster have gone through the last couple of weeks, it just puts this win into perspective. And what strengthens the connection, I suppose, for you and for our listeners as well, is that West Cork element in the Munster team. And you've spoken about in this podcast so many times, Tom, and you've written about it in the Southern Star. There's such a strong group of West Cork men with Munster right now. And they played such a huge part in that win against the Stormers on Saturday. I want to go first to The Rock, the man from Oscarbury, John Hodnett, with that incredible winning try just a couple of minutes from the end. Um, hopefully, we're recording this before the Ireland training camp is being announced later on Tuesday. If he's not in, cue the outrage right now. But if he is, so, so well-deserved the form he's been in. But talk to us a bit about John, John Hodnett. Uh, John Hodnett uh, is a guy who I kind of was, became aware of um, I'd say maybe four years ago, uh, coming up through Clan, like a lot of the players who come in to the Munster system come in through schools, come in through the likes of Prez, Christians, you know, Munchens up in Limerick, you know, all, all these different schools. John Hodden was different. He didn't come through that pathway. And um, you heard he was good. I think they tried to move him to hooker. Wasn't interested in that. So went about going it the harder way, which is to go into the back row. 
Now he was a talented player. You know, you, you hear all about like, oh, John Hodden, that serious player, serious player. But you hear that a lot about different guys. He just kept going though, kept showing up. Irish in their twenties was a standout player there. And this was in a year where everybody expected Scott Penny coming out of St. Michael's to be the standout guy in that uh, Ireland back row. It wasn't. It was John Hodness. And uh, he went on then, got into the Munster Academy. And I think I was there for his debut. I think it was against the Southern Kings uh, in Musgrave Park back in the old Pro 12, Pro 14. And he was just electric. And like one thing always stands out in my mind about John Hodness was when Munster... I think it was last season ended up with a ton of guys getting stuck in South Africa and a ton of guys who were um, unable to play and, and, and all this other stuff. John Hodden was listed as injured coming into that week. When that team sheet was announced ahead of that Wasps game on the, thir- the Thursday or Friday, when John Hodden's name showed up on that team sheet, my social media mentions went through the roof of people ecstatic that this guy was in playing. And his performances this season have been at the highest standards. And you talk about the star of the show last night in the uh, homecoming, John Hodness going around the place, just the energy, the vibe, everything about this guy is screaming top player monster for many, many years to come injury allowing uh, his performance levels in the last couple of weeks have been superb to the point that when RG Snaven was left on the bench uh, for this game, we knew he was going to play a big impact in the in the second half. RG it turned out for most of the game, but that meant that John Hodnett would be starting. That's the level of performance that he's at at the moment. Where we're not just talking about a guy who scores a big try, but the overall quality of his game, his defensive output. Like he won the uh, Ironman or whatever it was, tack, t- like basically the top tackler in the URC this season. Um, he has just been so consistently good. And I think a lot of the stuff, because like uh, uh, earlier in the season, I took a bit of flack on social media because I was talking about how a guy like Scott Penny can get called up to the Ireland squad for the Six Nations. And he's a guy who's typically wearing a tracksuit when the big day comes around for for Leinster. But John Hodnett, who's been playing outstandingly well against the likes of Toulouse, you know, against the likes of Northampton, big games, nowhere to be seen when it comes to an Irish jersey. I felt that that wasn't right. You look at the run that John Hodnett has been on, since the end of the season, or since coming up to the end of the season, a serious player who's been playing really, really well. And whatever about Ireland, like I think, like Keith, Keith Earl said it best last night about, like, you know, winning things for Munster is very special. I look at how well, you know, John Hodden is playing and how well he's going and what a big role even he had last night, like the crack that was there with him last night at that, that homecoming. He is set to be a cult hero at Munster for many years, I feel. That's brilliant. Like, and he's. Ross Garvey was was proud as punch on Saturday night. I was getting texts from from all around. Everyone was delighted with what he did. But there's so many more West Cork fellas. And let's look at Jack Crowley for a second. What a 12 months, Tom, this in Shannon man has had. Obviously come up to the ranks of Ben and Robbie Club and, and Band and Grammar. But where he was 12 months ago to where he is now, bringing all the Ireland um, Ireland action as well. Like, this fella is as, as cool as they get, isn't he? Oh, ice cold. Like, uh, you look at his... Last two or three games, I thought he was very, very good against um, Glasgow also. But he's been on a fantastic run since he's kind of taken over that 10 jersey um, since, I think it was the Sharks away game. Uh, he was a bright spot in that game. Um, then he's gone on such a run where he has been so good and so emphatic in his performances where like, you never doubt this guy. Like the, the Leinster game with the drop goal in, in the last five minutes of the game. There are so many guys who 
don't even think to put themselves into that spot. But all the history, all the times Munster have lost to Leinster in the Aviva Stadium, all the season that was riding on it up to that point, he wanted that moment. And like he said at the, the homecoming last night, that, uh, you know, kind of Craig Casey said to him, do you want it? Because Munster were two points down, he was just like, yeah. And he stood back into the pocket, nailed it. And that's the sort of moment that stands to a player. Because when you're a 10, like, you, you basically, you build yourself on the back of moments where it's never just, oh, I'm, I'm just a top player now. You just build and build and build. And what Jack Crowley has been doing this season is adding so much credibility, so much authority to his game where you don't think for a second that this guy is going to make a mistake. Or if he does, that he's not capable of just getting back up and it doesn't matter. He'll nail the next moment. And then he does. And it's like he's still very young. Like he's he's 23. We look at the the authority that he played this game with, where he was the quality of his passing, his running. But we go back to the moments where it was all on the line. You know, Munster had gone uh, three points up with that try by John Hodnett. Jack Crowley, if he makes the conversion, means that the Stormers have to score a try. They don't just have to play for a penalty to take it to extra time or whatever else. He has to nail the conversion. It's from the you know far uh, left touchline for a right-footed kicker. And he drains it. Like these are big moments for players where if those moments go, you know, maybe he misses that kick, maybe it goes elsewhere. They, those are big knocks for players and they have to recover from. But when you look at what Jack Crowley has done in the last two or three weeks, you know, that, that drop goal moment followed up by this moment, this is a player who's playing with incredible momentum. And when you have a, a 10 who's playing with that level of confidence, like that, you know, pushes them on to be very, very serious players. And and that's where Jack Crowley, the conversation isn't in now. Like this guy is turning into a top player. There's an awful lot of hype around tens in Ireland where lads look to, you know, Sam Prendergast has been talked about, oh, he needs to go to the World Cup. This is after one game, pro senior game against against the Lions, worst team in South Africa. And like when you when you look at Jack Crowley, he's in the Irish conversation at the moment. I'd be surprised if he wasn't in this group coming up for the World Cup. But you can only look at the future with, with Jack Crowley, how well he's playing and all the, the moments he's hit along the way this season that when you look back at the careers of the very, very best outhaves who are currently playing at the moment, they've all hit similar markers. Like a lot of what he's done this season reminds me a lot of Owen Farrell. When you look at what Owen Farrell achieved at, 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 at 22, 23, Jack Crowley is now doing the same. That's a great marker for the future because like this is what it is when it like is in. He's won it now what everybody's kind of talking about, but how good can this guy be? The sky's the limit. That's incredible. Like, like you said, the sky's the limit for, for Jack and this guy's also the limit. You could say for, for Gavin Coombs, what another stellar season this Gib juggernaut has had. I think he was, was he the top try scorer in, in the URC as well, Tom? He's just like, the stats um, behind this man are, are incredible, but his performances too, like he's just a beast on the field. <laughs> LeBlanc, <laughs> Gavin Coombs. <laughs> yeah, like as in, uh, Gavin Coombs is... And a lot of this, there was a lot of nonsense that was talking about Gavin Coombs over the last couple of months um, after the Irish uh, kind of November, the emerging Ireland tour, the A games and all this other stuff. Where he, I think he took a lot of unfair flack off the back of that game, um, certainly in the media or whatever else. But when I look at how his game has, has progressed this season, I think there's a lot of people who misunderstand what Gavin Coombs does. For me, like the comparisons to Caelan Doris are 
they're two very different players. The way they approach the game is very different. I look at Gavin Coombs as being a guy who plays in a lot of ways almost like a second row, but he's wearing number eight in his back. His all-around game has just improved and really pushed on. Like He's always a guy who's dangerous from, from a couple of meters out, but the quality of his game, his overall game, his breakdown work offensively and defensively, but offensively primarily, his work rate's gone through the roof. Like he's a guy who, like when you look at how well he's been performing, how well he's been showing up with regards to his all-around game, how complete as a player he is now. Like that's a guy who I think he'd be starting for most other test sides in, so I would say in the world, I would say he's up there. Like you look at how credible he's been, how like the the big moments he shows up with here where like he gets that charge down on uh, Manny Libok and um, that sets up the winning score. But he had so much more in this game as well where, and all through the season where he's showing up with big moment after big moment after big moment for 80 minutes. Like, he's a guy who reminds me at the moment very much of Dwayne Vermeulen. If you look at Dwayne Vermeulen back in and around his, coming into his peak years, Gavin Coombs reminds me an awful lot of, of, of him. Like, I think Coombs is a guy who is set to have a very big year yet. I think he'll, he'll, he'll like, a guy like him would be very valuable come the World Cup. I feel he will be in that in that conversation. Um, but just how well he's developed on this year, just one of Munster's best players and, uh, you know, finishes the season as a champion. So I don't think anybody can take away anything from Gavin Coombs, how well he's been playing, because honestly, he is one of the most important players in the Munster setup on field. But you see how big a character he is off the field as well. This all sets it up. Like he is the, the Don of the West Cork Mafia, as far as I'm concerned. And he is... Uh, after a fantastic season. Talking about the, the West Cork Mafia, the Witcheries were, were down in Cape Town as well. And one of my favourite photos, Tom, was the, at the end when Josh and Fadine were celebrating together, you could see what, what, what it meant to them. It was etched right across their face. But for Josh to come on and a big game like that and hold his own again, like he's he's another fellow who's coming on leaps and bounds. He has. Like I, I, I felt honestly at the start of the season that Josh had kind of plateaued a small bit. Um, after a really good kind of, you know, he had a couple of good moments in the few previous few seasons. The way he's pushed on in the second half of the season has been fantastic. Really, really good. The quality of his handling. He's a really adaptive scrummager as well. His breakdown work as well. Like just vicious, like really, really good, brutal. The kind of exact thing you want from your props. Um, I thought he's been really, really good as the season has kind of come in. He's more than earned that spot in the rotation for loose head prop during big bit during big games. And that's only going to continue. Like he's only going to build on his physique and his his engine as a player over the preseason. He's looked really, really good. And Fanin, I was saying on my own podcast there uh, before this game uh, at the weekend that if Fanin Richardly was to miss out, he'd be incredibly unlucky. He has been one of my top performers in the last couple of weeks for for Munster since he's come back from that. Uh, I think he had a shoulder injury that kept him out for a good lot of time in, in this season. Since he's come back from that, after getting his feet under him, he has looked absolutely unbelievably good. Really, like he's looked like he's added on a little bit of extra size. He's battering fellas in collisions. Again, his breakdown work, his defense are really good. Um, I was like, I thought I felt he was so unlucky to miss out. Munster had to go with a 5 3. I think if Munster go to a 6 2 bench for that final, Finneen's coming on like he's on the bench he'd be on the bench and he would have been coming on like he was honestly like is in one of the best players Munster had towards the end of that run and he seems to be at the moment now where he is kind of hitting that perfect I think I've spoken written about in the examiner as well or the, in the, the star rather 
about how like he is a guy who needs to find a role set that best suits what he does and he's he's found it i think with what he's done over the last couple of of weeks and like just and and, and same same with all of these guys like i'm from, I'm from Belenine. so to see all these guys from ross carberry in a shannon only over the road Bantry only over the road where my father be playing music in the hotels um when i see the uh gavin coombs from skibbereen all these lads playing such a huge role in monster winning a trophy that's it, like that's what it's all about like it just it brings it so close to home for like for the people of west cork to see these people and go like like cross carberry skib you know like th- these are players now we're playing at the very highest level it's really great for rugby in the region and it's going to be a great note to finish on that was actually your preempted my final question tom but what a boost it is for rugby in West Cork. We've been on this incredible journey the last number of years. Go back to when Darren Sweetnam kind of kicked it all off, but the current gang are really driving it now. But to see these medals coming back to West Cork, and you listed off where these lads are from, from, from Bantry to Nishan and to Ross Carberry, and you've done the likes of Liam Coombs and Keen Hurley and these fellas as well, all involved. Like What this does for rugby, it just boosts the profile in West Cork, and it just gives it that, that kind of that injection again. Oh yeah, look at look at look at Key and Hurley. He's the next guy. He's got a senior contract of Munster next year. I, I think he's a really really good player as well. Like you look at the, like the, the the how local all these guys are, and I think that you know you look at how popular like John Hodnett was in this homecoming yesterday and same with Gavin Coombs. These are not just bit. These are not bit part players. Like these are not guys who are just coming on and doing a job every now and then. These are big players making big moments in the biggest games for Munster and. These, these guys have been performing all season long. So if you're a young player, a young guy in, 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 in uh, you know, a young player, even male or female in, in West Cork who's playing rugby, you look at these guys and you look at a John Hodnett, you look at a Gavin Coombs, and you're thinking, why can't I do what they do? There's no reason why you can't. And I think that's the biggest thing that you could take out of it is that you see that trophy coming down around West Cork, which I'm sure it will. And just the inspiration of it to go, yeah, look, I, I, I can go on and do these things. There's no reason why. I know it takes an hour or two hours to get, you know, here and back to go to different trainings or whatever else. But these guys show you what's possible. And that's the best thing about this, I think, for me, from a West Cork perspective, is that it shows that there's no limits on what you can be thinking as a young player in West Cork. There's no, you should never limit yourself because these guys have shown that you can go go to the highest level and then win trophies for Munster, which I think is just the, the most special thing going. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, funding dreams for over 50 years. Welcome back to the Star Sport Podcast after that brilliant chat with Tom Savage of Three Red Kings. Kieran had to run off to attend to some important Star Sport business, so I will let you know now what's in this week's Southern Star Sport just a quick preview of this week's paper. We have, of course, lots of reaction from Munster's URC victory against the Sormers and the West Cork contingent there. John Hodnett, his legend, was assured with that man in the match performance and match-winning try from the Ross Carberry man. We have um, interviews with John Cleary ahead of this weekend's Kerry game. There's an inside track column from Michal O'Sullivan who says that Cork need a big performance to get close to the kingdom. There's also a brilliant long read from Kieran 
on the Cork and Kerry rivalry. It's often described as a GAA rivalry like no other, but these days it lacks an edge. So Kieran is examining what's happened to Cork versus Kerry, what's happened to the rivalry there, and who's to blame. We also have a match report from Munster, Cork's Munster senior final victory over Kerry that we were speaking about earlier on in the podcast. There's loads of local GAA news. We have a preview of the Cork Miners match against Kerry. That's on this Friday at 7.30 in Austin Stack Park. There's also rowing, athletics, more rugby. There's the West Cork soccer news. We have road bowling and a lot more there as well. So be sure to pick up a copy of the Southern Star Sport this Thursday. We're also in the Southern Star this week, launching one of West Cork's most popular competitions. It's back after a year hiatus, West Cork's cutest pet. So pick up a copy of this week's paper and you'll be able to see how you can enter there. As always, if you can't make it to the shops, if you're further afield, you can just subscribe to the Southern Star and get the Southern Star on your laptop, tablet or phone. Just head to subscribe.southernstar.e, enter your details, and you'll get an exact replica of the newspaper for less than two euro per week. It's great value, especially this week. As always, thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast. And thanks again to our sponsors at Access Credit Union. If you've enjoyed this, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll be back again next week. Thanks for listening.